We have been in Romans chapter 11, uh, seeing together that God's salvation and heart are of a size that he has always willed and planned that both Jews, his chosen people, and Gentiles would come to know forgiveness through Christ, would come to know standing in God's family through the Lord Jesus' finished work. And we continue on in Romans chapter 11 this morning, verses 16 to 24. But I quickly want to review with you what we saw in previous verses, in verses 11 to 15, a last time together, by quick review. We saw that God's chosen Jewish people got in on salvation first. Second, we saw that God always planned that his salvation would go beyond the Jews to include the Gentiles. Third, we saw that by God's design, Gentile conversion now prompts Jewish conversions now and later due to the Jews becoming jealous over Gentiles being saved. We saw fourth that currently, the more Gentiles who are saved, the more Jews who will be saved because of that uh, spiritual jealousy that God uh, creates within Jewish people when they see the blessings of God upon non-Jews who come to Christ. Last time, we had two applications. I hope you've been putting them into practice. First, the application, we were told by God's word that we ought to make sure that our witnessing is as big and as broad as is God's heart to save people. We talked about not forgetting to share Christ with the homeless, the mentally ill, the incarcerated, those with AIDS, homosexuals, prostitutes, thieves, Haitians, the addicted, those caught up in cults, atheists, the up and out people. We know about down and out people, but they're economically up and out people that think they don't need God. Don't forget them. And don't forget sharing our faith with precious Jewish people. So the first application was make sure our witnessing is as big and as broad as the heart of God to save. The second application last Sunday was that we ought to be shooting to live a Christian life such that those watching us are jealous for what we have. That we have a quality of life that makes others jealous of what we have so that we can point them to the one who gave us what we have. And now this morning, we move on in chapter 11 of Romans to verses 16 to 24. This message is called Purposeful Rejection Part 2. And as you look at the first verse in our passage, verse 16, you see, and if the first piece of dough be holy, the lump is also, and if the root be holy, the branches are two. What we're going to see in these verses this morning are two word picture illustrations. And when I think of word picture illustrations, I think of how it went for a pastor and one of his parishioners in Canada. In an evening service, a blustery, snowy evening service, the pastor came to the church and only one parishioner came. He was a milk farmer. And the pastor said to the milk farmer, well, shall we go ahead and have a service? The milk farmer says, when only one of my milk cows comes, I feed her. So the pastor got up there, he preached a 55-minute message, had two special numbers the preacher sang himself. And at the end of an hour and a half, the preacher went back to the back door and waited for the milk farmer to come out. And he said, the preacher said to him, well, how was that? Well, when she shows up, pastor, I don't feed her the whole cart of hay. <laughs> that was a word picture that kind of went wrong. We have some word pictures in these verses, 
two word pictures. We have first a lump of bread dough, and second we have an olive tree. Two word pictures, two word picture illustrations in our passage this morning. Let's consider the first word picture illustration first, the bread dough. If you hold your places in Romans 11 and go way back in the Old Testament to Numbers, Numbers chapter 15, and I'm going to read three verses, 18 to 21, Numbers 15. Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, when you enter the land where I bring you, then it shall be that when you eat of the food of the land, you shall lift up an offering to the Lord. Of the first of your dough, you shall lift up a cake as an offering, the offering of the threshing floor. And so you shall lift it up. From the first of your dough, you shall give to the Lord an offering throughout your generations. And so in the Mosaic law, God gave to his people Israel. He told the Jews to do something with the first part of the whole lump of their uncooked bread dough. God told them to lift it up as an offering to the Lord, to be of the first of your dough, to lift up a cake as an offering. Some places call this very offering a heave offering. And this cake was to be given to the Lord's priest. Why would God have done this? Why would he have prescribed this? Well, after the cake was given to the priest, he was supposed to eat it. And God would get the first of the dough made out of ground meal into a cake. And this symbolically indicated that the rest of the lump of dough, the rest of the cake that came from the lump of dough, belonged to the Lord too. I mean, it makes sense. If the first piece of dough was set apart for God, then surely the rest of the dough lump was also God's. This was saying, especially in retrospect from Romans 11's perspective, that God's salvation is big enough that there's room for both believing Jews and believing Gentiles in God's salvation provided through Christ. And so a lump of bread dough is the first illustration, word picture, in our passage. Let's go on to the second uh, word picture illustration. This one is developed more than the bread dough one was. This one is quite developed the word picture illustration of the olive tree. In Romans 11, God compares his Jewish people to an olive tree. Do you know why? Several reasons that God compares his Jewish people to olive trees. Olive trees grow in the promised land of Israel. Olive trees tolerate heat, poor soil, salt air, and salt mists. Olive trees will grow where no other trees can grow. Olive trees will yield heavy crops of olives with minimum care. Olive trees are useful. Olive oil for cooking, edible fruit, fuel oil, fine-grained timber and medicinal oil. Olive trees and their olives are useful. But there's more. 
God compares his Jewish nation to olive trees because olive trees are efficient. Each year, one olive tree can yield 20 gallons, 20 gallons of versatile olive oil. Olive trees, watch this one. Olive trees can only be harvested with trauma. You have to shake olive tree branches violently for the olives to fall off. I've been in Israel. They take long sticks, and they wail on those olive trees. They stand in stepladders with sticks, and they just beat on the branches of the olive tree. That's how you get the olives to come off the branches. See the parallels with Jewish people? See what's happened in Jewish history, the Holocaust, anti-Semitism before the Holocaust, anti-Semitism. Now, by the way, you know that anti-Semitism, the hatred of Jews, is peaking in Europe right now. Neo-Nazis. We have children in the West that don't even believe the Holocaust happened because perverted, twisted teachers in colleges and universities deny it ever happened. Oh, yes. God compares his people, the Jews, to olive trees for lots of reasons. Olive trees have far more flowers than olives. Only one in 100 olive flowers produces any fruit at all. Olive trees are privileged to yield fruit where other trees simply cannot grow. Olive trees, while useful, are not always desired. There are so many, many parallels between Jewish people and olive trees. So let's get into our text. Romans 11, 16 through 24. I'll read the whole passage. Romans 11, 16 through 24. And if the first piece of dough be holy, the lump is also. And if the root be holy, the branches are too. But if some of the branches were broken off and you being a wild olive were grafted in among them and became partaker with them in the rich root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. But if you are arrogant, remember that it is not you who supports the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. Quite right. They were broken off for their unbelief, but you stand by your faith. Do not be conceited, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Behold then the kindness and severity of God, to those who fell, severity, but to you, God's kindness, if you continue in his kindness, otherwise you also will be cut off. And they also, if they do not continue in their unbelief, they will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. For if you were cut off from what is by nature a wild olive tree and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more shall these who are the natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? The root of this olive tree, which represents Israel, the tree represents Israel, the root of the olive tree was Abram, later known as Abraham, and specifically the covenant that God struck with Abram and his descendants. We looked at that last time, but let's go to Genesis 12. Hold your place in Romans and go with me to Genesis 12. Genesis 12, the first covenant of the Bible, an unconditional covenant. 
Genesis 12, 1 to 3. Now, the, the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country, from your relatives and from your father's house to a land which I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, first part of the Abrahamic covenant. I'll make you a great nation, and I'll bless you, and I'll make your name great, second part of the, of the covenant. I'm going to make your name great by blessing you. And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Do you know why America, among other reasons, is so messed up and teetering on the brink of irrelevancy in the world? Because we have had an administration for eight years that disdains Israel. God says, he who curses Israel, him will I curse. The Abrahamic covenant was an unconditional covenant made to a man named Abram, promised him a, promised him a family, promised him blessing, promised him a land. God always keeps his promises. Jews don't have all the land they're going to get, as spelled out in the Old Testament, but they will. They'll get every inch of it. And so in this Word picture illustration of the olive tree. The root of the olive tree is Abram and the Abrahamic covenant that God promised to Abraham. And the tree represents his progeny, his descendants, the Jews. Now, the natural branches of this olive tree in the story are differentiated between with unnatural branches. They're not the same as natural branches. The natural branches of the olive tree here in Romans 11 represents believing Jews. They're the natural branches. The, the tree represents the Jews, so the natural branches of the tree are Jews. The broken off natural branches represent the Jews who don't believe on Christ as Savior. They're the broken off natural branches. Look at, back in Romans, look at 11 verse 20. Quite right. They were broken off for their unbelief, but you stand by your faith. Do not be conceited, but fear. The natural branches of the tree are believing Jews. The broken off natural branches of the olive tree are Jews who don't believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior yet. And the wild branches, not the natural branches, the wild branches are us, non-Jews who believe in Christ, Gentiles. We're the wild branches. And it's surprising that the wild branch believing Gentiles could even get attached to the olive tree at all. <laughs> it happened because God, in his grace and love and forethought, grafted Gentile branches, wild branches. God grafted us into the olive tree. Miracle. God grafted us into the olive tree. It happened because God did it. We didn't do it. When we adopted our, our first child, Joanna, we had a Jewish social worker in Canada. She came and observed our home, and we went to her home several times. Near the end of the process, Ellie Freundbell, that was her name, she was sitting in our living room, and she said, I'm near the end of the process. I think I know the answer to this, but I have to ask you this question. Do you and Beth think that adoption is a legitimate way to form a family? But God gave it to me just like that. I said, oh, yeah, Beth and I are both adopted. You are? How could I know you all this time and not know you're both adopted? I said, anybody who gets into God's family as a Gentile is adopted. Your people 
are God's people. Anybody who's not Jewish that gets standing in the olive tree or the family of God has been adopted. I never knew that. Is adoption a legitimate way to form a family? Absolutely. Is adoption, grafting in, a legitimate way to change an olive tree? Yeah. And we must see, we must see as these wild branches that God mercifully grafted into an olive tree of his people, the Jews, we have to be careful that we don't adopt a sinful attitude. And look what that sinful attitude is. 18, do not be arrogant toward the branches. But if you are arrogant, remember that it is not you who supports the root, but the root supports you. Jesus Christ in his humanity was Jewish. You have a Jewish savior. You've been grafted into a Jewish olive tree. Don't be arrogant. Verse 20, quite right, they were broken off for their unbelief, unbelieving Jews, but you stand by your faith. Do not be conceited. There's a temptation that we think we've, that we think we've got the market cornered on salvation. We're Gentiles. Forget the Jews. We've, we got this. Don't be arrogant. Don't be conceited. Rabbi Stephen Weiss, a converted Jew, said, and I quote, for 1,800 years, certainly for most of that time, Jews have not been given an opportunity to know that Christi- what it is, what Christianity is, or to know what the Christ means. The ignorance of the Jew concerning Christianity condemns not the Jew, but Christendom. Did you hear that? If Jewish people are ignorant about Christ and about what it means to be a Christian, It's on us. It's on us. We have to tell them. We mustn't write them off. You thinking of Jewish friends you have? I hope you are. Facebook friends, someone on the islands, vacationers, timeshare property owners. You know any Jewish people? Don't be arrogant. Love them to Christ. Tell them about Jesus. Live Jesus before them. Tell them the way of salvation. Now look at verse 18. Verse 18 is saying that you and I are saved Gentiles because God willed for our salvation as evidenced by the promise of the Abrahamic covenant. Remember, God told Abraham in his covenant, and in you all the nations of the world will be blessed. That's Gentiles. So don't be conceited. There's no grounds for arrogance when we're a Gentile who's saved, but rather fear. In verse 20, it says, quite right. They were broken off for their unbelief, but you stand in your faith. Do not be conceited, but fear. The Greek here for fear could be translated, be struck with amazement. Reverentially obey. Yeah, God said in the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis 12, the second part of verse 3, in you, Abram, all of the nations of the world will be blessed. God gets all the glory for this, family. 
believers like us deserve none of the glory. For us Gentiles to claim credit for being grafted into the Jewish olive tree is as crazy as an adopted child wanting credit for being adopted. We go on to verses 20 to 22 in our passage. These verses are not teaching that a believer in Christ can be cut off from God's gift of salvation. Did you hear me? These verses do not teach that we can lose our salvation if we have a salvation. Because remember, earlier in the book of Romans, the Holy Spirit had Paul write in chapter 8, verses 38 and 39, for I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That sounds secure to me. That sounds safe to me. The same grace that saves you is the grace that keeps you saved. It's not our grip on Jesus. I've let go of Jesus in sin in my life. It's his grip on me. It's his grip on you that keeps you safe. And so these verses in, in Romans 11 are not teaching that we can lose our salvation. The Bible teaches in many places that once saved, you're always saved. So if lost of salvation is not in view in verses 20 to 22, what is in view? Let me read 20 to 22. Quite right, they were broken off for their unbelief, but you stand by your faith. Do not be conceited, but fear, for if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Behold then the kindness and severity of God to those who fell, severity, but to you, God's kindness. And if you continue in his kindness, otherwise you will be cut off. If this doesn't mean that we can lose salvation and it doesn't, then what does it mean? It means that there are pretender Christians in any assembly, faker Christians. There are some Gentiles who claim to be born again, but who in reality are not. They're fakers. These imposters know the language of the Lord without knowing the Lord of the language. I'm saying that there are plenty of pretender Christians, fakers, professors of salvation without being possessors of salvation. There are persons who give to missions who are needing to respond to a missionary first themselves. There are persons who sing about standing on the promises, but they're just sitting on the premises. There are fakers. There are pretend Christians. Almost every assembly has some. Persons who use the jargon of the church without bowing to the Jesus of the church. That's alarming. Jesus talked about them in one of his parables, the tares, the weeds, and the wheat growing amongst the intertwined. And one day there'll be a harvest with fire and they'll sort out. And if you go back to chapter 9, verse 6, but it is not as though the word of God has failed, for they are not all Israel who are descended from Israel. God told us that not all Israel is Israel by birth. And here in Romans 11, verses 20 and 22, we are told that because 
God has kindness, that is moral goodness and mercy, because God has kindness and on the other side of the coin, because God has severity, that is sternness and vigor against sin, therefore, whether we are believing Jews or believing Gentiles, we must continue in God's kindness. That is, we must believe the gospel and its bad news about us and the gospel and its good news about God. We must be saved. There is not one person here who's got a right saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because their grandparents did. There's not one person here this morning who's right with God because their spouse is. The kindness and the severity of God. We must believe the gospel for ourselves. We must see the wretchedness of our own rebellion and sin. We must see Jesus as the only provision. And we must transfer our trust to the finished work of Christ for ourselves. If anyone doesn't believe these things, they're lost, whether they're Jewish or they're Gentile. And if we don't continue in God's kindness, if we hear but disbelieve the simple gospel message, God has made it clear what happens in verse 23. And they also, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. God is able to graft in a repentant a Gentile or a Jew who turns to Christ. But God won't graft in any Gentile into the olive tree of salvation who doesn't repent and believe on Jesus Christ for salvation. And so one of the amazing things is that in this picture, this illustration of an olive tree, it has natural branches that are attached, Jews that believe in Jesus for salvation, and there are natural branches, Jews, that have been lopped off for unbelief in Jesus. But the amazing thing is that God, in his mercy and power, can pick up a lopped off, disbelieving Jewish branch and put it back in the olive tree when that person comes to Christ for salvation. Amazing. Lopped off branches can actually be grafted back into the tree. Verse 23, for God is able to graft them in again. So we can bank on it. God isn't finished with Israel, not by a long shot. Jews aren't on the scrap heap in God's estimation. Jews have a future. Broken off, all of branch Jews have a future if they will turn to Christ and trust him as we have as Gentiles and be born again. And all the covenants of God in the Old Testament were unconditional covenants except the Mosaic covenant, also called the law, which was conditional. If you obey me, I'll bless you. If you disobey me, I'll curse you. That's the Mosaic law. But all the other covenants of the Old Testament were unconditional and all the promises that God has made to Israel who will believe on Yeshua Messiah eventually will be fulfilled, every single one of them. Because God's a promise keeper, and the Jews are not on the scrap heap. They can be grafted back in. And because God isn't finished with Israel, incredible body of Christ, we better not be finished with Israel either. Do you realize that this, this day, this Lord's day, all around the world, there are precious Jewish people who are being saved by turning to Christ? That happens every day, every day. And the more Jews, even than what's happening currently in the church age, will happen in the future tribulation. 
By the way, mark the dates, will you? March 9th to 13th for our 44th annual missions conference. We have got a great speaker, Jimmy DeYoung, from the radio Bible class coming to teach on the themes of prophecy and missions. Jimmy broadcasts for the radio Bible class from Israel. He knows the land, he knows the book, and he knows the times. And he will integrate modern current events to the prophecies of Scripture and then tell us what that means to us in getting the Great Commission done. You must be with us on March 9th through the 13th. You must. More Jews are going to be saved in the future tribulation, and we must believe that our God can and will eternally save Jews who take salvation refuge in Christ and in his cross work. That hasn't always been a belief that the Church of Jesus Christ has held, because in some quarters, in some centuries, there was an anti-Semitism even against uh, Jews in the church. Some years ago, a clergyman of the Church of England we call them Anglicans here, attended an early morning prayer meeting on behalf of Israel in an East London, England Jewish mission. Coming out of the street, he met a clergyman who had attended a special service at St. Paul's Cathedral on the anniversary of the conversion of St. Paul. After greeting each other, the second minister asked the other where he had been. He told him he had attended a Jewish missions meeting, upon which the other minister showed some surprise that his friend should believe in the possibility of Jews coming to faith. The minister who attended the mission service asked his friend where he had been and was told that he had attended a special service at the cathedral that morning. The man from the Jewish service asked, who was it, St. Paul? The hesitating reply was, I suppose you would consider him a believing Jew. What music did they have? Why, Mendelssohn's St. Paul, of course. Who was Mendelssohn? Why, a German? No, he was not. He was a believing Jew, was the reply. And who was the preacher? Dr. Jacobs, Bishop of Albans. This man, who did not believe in the possibility of Jews coming to faith in Christ, had been in a church dedicated to the memory of a Jewish believer, had attended a service in honor of the Jews' acceptance of the Messiah, had listened to music composed by a Jewish believer, and was greeted by a fellow clergyman who was a, Jew, a converted Jew, Aaron Bernstein. <laughs> the Jews aren't on the, on the scrap heap. And the fact is that the natural branches graft well back into the natural olive trees. The miracle, as I've been saying, really is that wild branches, us Gentiles, can be successfully grafted into a natural tree without ruining it. Listen carefully. Horticulture is a bit of one of my hobbies. Listen carefully. W.E. Vine writes on the horticultural process of grafting, quote, the usual procedure is to insert a slip of a cultivated tree into a common or a wild one. In Romans 11, 17 to 24, however, the metaphor used is contrary to nature of grafting a wild olive branch, the Gentiles, into the good olive tree, the place of blessing under the Abrahamic covenant. Such a process is unnatural, which is precisely the point. Normally, such a graft would be unfruitful. You get it? Normally, you take a wild branch, put it into a, a non-wild tree, it'll ruin the non-wild tree, and it won't be fruitful. God takes the wild-believing Gentile branch, puts him into the forensically healthy 
olive tree that represents Jews that believe, and the tree is fruitful. And in the church age, believing Jews and believing Gentiles commingle as we should, worshiping Christ in every assembly. Isn't the grace of God something? Never get over the grace of God. The grace of God is unusual. The grace of God is supernatural. The grace of God to choose the wild and work with the wild and to produce totally unexpected fruitfulness. Yes, the grace of God is so wonderful. And so I want to close off this sermon again with two applications. What difference should this truth make? Monday to Saturday, what difference should this truth make that there's an olive tree of believing Jews and we're believing Gentiles in Jesus and we're grafted and the tree isn't messed up? What difference should that make in how you plan your day, spend your money, look at life? How, what difference should it make? At least two. You should stop writing off Jews and you should share the gospel with Jewish people in prayer. Can we see that picture uh, now? This is Sam Rotman. He's a converted Jew. He's a friend of mine. He's a world-class concert pianist. He's played for queens, kings, presidents, prime ministers all around the world. He's coming to our church in September, September uh, 8th through the 15th. Sam is going to be on the island for a week. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to perform classical music concerts in the Kirk, uh, other places, in a private home we've lined up. We're going to have him play as much as he can in that week in September. Because you know what he does? He plays all the amazing components, Bach, Mozart, Beethoven, all of it from memory. He has no music in front of him. He's a magnificent talent. He's a converted Jew. And what he does in his concerts, he plays all this beautiful classical music, and then he stands up and he gives his testimony. How he was from a, a Jewish family. God was irrelevant and meaningless to him. He went to the Juilliard School of Music in New York City, became a trained concert pianist. And in the course of that time in New York City, he met Jesus, Yeshua, Messiah, Savior. And he loves Jesus with his whole heart. Please pray, September 8th to 15th, for Jewish people. Some of you have connections in business and industry. Pray for those Jewish people starting now, that they will come to a Sam Rotman concert and hear one of their countrymen who's been transformed into the joy and purpose of knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. September 8th through 15th, pray. The first application is stop writing off the Jews. The second application is stop being proud. <laughs> stop being proud. You say, yeah, I'm in the olive tree, and by God's grace, the fruit of the Spirit is being produced on my branches, and I've got it, I've got it going on. Don't be proud. No more than an adopted child should be proud about, be, about causing their own adoption. The, the adopted child has no place for pride. They have a, a lot of place for gratitude. I mean, what adopted person can take credit because he or she uh, went to the social worker to line it up, went to the home study process, went through the police check, 
went to the adoption agency, paid the adoption fee, paid the lawyer's fee, met the birth parent or parents, complied with the birth parent or parent stipulations. Who that has been adopted can say, yeah, I did that. That was me. Did a pretty good job. I'm adopted. God did it all. God reached out to you when you were in sin. God called you effectively to his son. God gave you forgiveness. God gave you a new identity. God gave you a new citizenship in heaven. God gave you a Bible. God gave it all to you. Don't be proud. Do not be proud. Last in summation, C.S. Lewis put it this way. In a sense, the converted Jew is the only normal human being in the world. He goes on, Lewis does, everyone else is from one point of view, a special case dealt with under emergency conditions. If you're Gentile and you're safe, you are dealt with by God in grace under emergency conditions. That's how he got in. God sort of opened the back door and let us in as, as an emergency case study. But the ones who really belong are the Jews. Yeah, when I told Ellie Freundbell, is adoption a legitimate way to form a family? Oh, yeah, we're both adopted. See yourself the same. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the olive tree. Beautiful word picture of how you selected a person and his progeny to bring forgiveness of sins in heaven one day to a whole globe. Deliver us from overlooking Jews and deliver us from being proud because you placed us into their tree. Give us love and humility to serve you with Jews and all people. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.